Hello and welcome to Shoecast and today on Shoecast we have Sue Hansen with us and she I'm going to let her do her and she's got a fascinating background I've known Sue for a while now from a previous role um, she has a fantastic background all people and um, works um, and teams which is fantastic so but I'll let her do her little introduction and we're just going to have a little chit chat because obviously as we all know recruitment market is very interesting right now HR is very topical and um, it's very much an employer's um, employees market out there so um, but we're going to have a general discussion about that and filter things in Sue's got some ideas that she'd like to share with everybody um, and also some great questions that we're going to sort of generate. it's very very much a, a usual shoe cast um, very informal and a nice little chat today so Sue tell us a bit about you and who you are hi Rachel thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about me 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 uh, <laughs> very rarely you get the chance to do that nowadays <laughs> coaching because nobody wants to hear about you they want to hear about themselves <laughs> so yeah. my, my my career my background is in human resources um, i was a personnel and training manager in three large organizations and then i went into consultancy for 12 years thoroughly enjoyed that um, and then set up my own business after that so i've been self-employed uh, since 2000 actually um, and working um, predominantly in coaching and running assessment centers here and uh, in Europe and in the uh, United Arab Emirates um, and more recently an, an ex-client of mine asked me if I'd like to do some teaching I, I do have a teaching certificate from yonks ago I didn't even tell you and I said, oh, that sounds interesting. OK. And it was the apprenticeship scheme. So um, I've been a tutor on the apprenticeship scheme for operational managers and team leaders and business uh, administrators for about four years now. Sort of coming to the end of that and moving now into more um, examinations. I've taken more qualifications. I'm a level five coach. Um, I've got an endpoint assessment qualification and an internal quality audit qualification so I work now for five different large UK organizations um, working through their apprenticeship exams and doing quality assessment for them uh, and of course work is flooding in because the um, apprenticeship scheme is is alive and very much kicking and, and lots is going on with it um, so so that's what I'm doing at the moment oh wow that sounds really exciting and obviously the education system has changed a lot it's not just about going off and doing your a levels and staying on at school now there's so many options for people which i think is great because obviously um, it is very expensive to continue into higher education and sometimes it doesn't always offer those opportunities for everyone um, I definitely feel about that. But um, today, I suppose we're going to be talking about sort of em employment opportunities for people. The mm. media has been flying around lots of headlines to get those people to watch their news reports, buy their newspapers, read social media and everything. And it's very it's 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 kind of as an as an I suppose an employer, it's slightly worrying what's going on out there. Um, and um, they do like to fly things around um, like the the big word, the great resignation because obviously we're in the now post-pandemic era I suppose um so let's chat a little bit more about that I know um 
we we were having a conversation a while back about about this and um at various networking events such as um De debbie's um not just num um uh, from not just numbers and her kind of not just networking events so mm. let's have a have a little bit ch like chat and dive into this um great net resignation so fire away <laughs> Well, as I understand the Great Resignation, it's a sort of phenomenon that describes the, the record numbers of people leaving their jobs after the COVID um, end of the COVID pandemic. Um, and I think, you know, quite rightly that while you've been off for such a long time, maybe you've been furloughed, maybe you're working from home, um, employees sort of re-evaluating their careers, you know, after a long absence from work and thinking, is this really what I want to do? Is it something that I want to change? Do I really like this? And um, I think working from home has had a great impact on everybody in one way or another. The people either like it or they don't like it, you know? Definitely. Um, I, I think it's super, um, other people don't. And, and, you know, we respect everybody's views about what they like and what they don't like. But in some cases, it can prompt people to actually look for something else where they have more human contact as it were you know day by day yeah absolutely we're very much moving into this sort of hybrid working um world now aren't we and um oh. and we we definitely operate like that at she we've got this hybrid work sort of environment um and that's that's quite interesting something that i am going to be sort of diving deeper in into in in my mba as i write my management project next year so it's something i'm oh. going to be look at looking at a bit more because it fascinates me this hybrid world i mean what are your thoughts about it this hybrid working world I think it's a very good idea and I actually think it, it the pandemic dreadful as it was has had a dramatic impact on work nowadays because the new normal just isn't like it used to be is it Rachel yes. you know things have changed dramatically now and just as an example a very very good friend of mine it take it took her an hour and a half to get to work every day and she begged her manager to let her work from home you know one or two days a week just one day a week would be not so bad say on a friday or a monday and the answer was no 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 you you have to be in work you're the link pin everybody comes to you you've got to be and then and then we had the pandemic and now the whole of their organization are working one day a week in the office everybody else from home they've had the best year rachel they've ever had in terms of revenue that's brilliant massive bonus and they're having a christmas party which is you know relatively unusual in, in <laughs> difficult times and and so it has had impacts um which which were perhaps um not not quite foreseen but mm. probably good things have come out of it now you know yeah, def I, I definitely agree with that. I think people, there's definitely some good things ab about what's come out in this post-pandemic era, this this hybrid world. Um, obviously, digital plays a massive part of that in terms of being able to work remotely and work from anywhere. And yes. it's advancing very, very quickly. But another thing that's kind of um, come to light is um, people's mental health you mentioned earlier about sort of people you know not not everybody liking it because they're feeling a bit isolated maybe mm -hmm. um i mean how do we sort of i suppose manage that situation whether it's an employer or an employee um, not wanting to be on their own they might be in a tiny little flat in the center of leeds and they're not really seeing anyone and they're stuck in there i mean sort of how do we sort of recognize those pain points really of, of what's going on with somebody if they're in that situation 
Yes, you're absolutely right. And I think employers have taken, uh, in the main, probably quite a pragmatic view and thought if they have to be at home, they can be on screen. So, you know, we can have a check-in every morning. Lots of organisations are doing a check-in every morning. Just a half an hour over a cup of coffee to say, how are you doing? What's going on? You know, what's going on in your life? What about your family? Where's your dog? Let's have a look at him. (laughs) Just to to bring a little bit of levity to to working from home. And, and of course, most organisations who do work from home, you know, you can go in one day a week Mm. or maybe two. uh, Or they they perhaps will offer the opportunity for a get-together. Um, either at work or maybe, you know, a social get-together. I think that's really important, you know, to have that contact because I I know from doing the work I do now, all my work is on teams. I don't go into the college now. Um, I work on teams all the time and it's okay because I'm talking to people and I'm in front of them, but it's just not the same, you know, as walking through the doors and saying hi to people and, you know, how you've been and going into a nice room and you know having a cup of coffee with a couple of people it's just not the same so we have to look after Mm -hmm. well-being it's very very important that we do yeah and I remember sort of in my early career stood around the water fountain and it's kind of like where you'd go to sort of get to know sort of your other colleagues who weren't really on your team but um you'd just have a little bit of banter around the water 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 fountain and just getting your plastic cup out as we did back then and just yeah. fill it up and then just have a little bit of a, a little bit of a chat and stuff like that and I think some perhaps some of that generation that are of that age where we started our careers maybe 15 years ago are feeling that kind of oh it's a little bit different now mm-hmm. maybe wow. just um but also finding it also quite convenient because they can take their kids to school as well which is also really important I think that family time has yes. been given back to a lot of people especially sort of I suppose people who want to be at home with their children or just don't have that opportunity to. (laughs) Mm. And and I think the other thing, you're quite right about that, I think the other thing about being at home is that you are physically isolated from colleagues who you might have been next to and could have asked quick questions of or could have heard, you know, overheard telephone conversations that might have been useful. Um, And and that's no longer happening now. People Mm. are you know, those who are working from home are are more isolated in that sense. So I think it is very important still to have that contact of the one or two days a week where, you know, you are together with other people, better for your well-being, of course, as well, I think. Yeah, most definitely. And it's it, it will be interesting times to see how that all develops and, and, and moves forward. Um, I suppose another headline that the media likes throwing around is this quiet quitting. <laughs> <laughs> they love that. They love their headlines, do they, journalists? Don't they? Um, and 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 you know what? What do you? How do you feel about this? This headline? It's very punchy, isn't it? It's very like, yes, arm in the air. Let's do this quiet quitting. Is it actually happening out there, or are they just playing up to that media hype? <laughs> Well, you know, when I saw it, I thought, what on earth is all this about? And it, what it boils down to, we think, is job dissatisfaction. There are some people who don't like the job. They're dissatisfied with the job. So they do as little as possible in the job. But, you know, that's always been the case, Rachel. Yeah. 
you know, you always find people in organisations that do as little as they can. What what you call the nine to fivers? Yeah. They don't want to be there before nine. They don't want to be there after five. They've got things to do, other other things in their life that they want to do more. Maybe the job's not that interesting. Maybe the manager isn't making their job interesting. You know, whose fault yeah. is all of this? If you've yeah. got job dissatisfaction, whose fault is that? You know, so this quiet. Um, Quiet quitting, I'm not quite sure that it's quiet quitting. I think it's always been there. They've just given it a trendy name, Rachel. <laughs> yes, <have>, yeah. <laughs> I agree. I, I definitely think, I, I think, yes, I definitely remember it sort of maybe even in my early career whilst I had a part-time job at university and I was um, working in, in a hotel where obviously there's different levels of management, different people there for different reasons. And um, definitely that, that was always there. People just showing up at nine o'clock or seven in the morning as when our shift used to start and just literally leaving on the dot. Um, people who were just there obviously to support their families. It wasn't a career to them. They didn't need to stay for very much longer. So I think it's all, I agree with you. I definitely I think it's always been there even from my very early start whilst I was working part-time um, you could just observe people's behavior and, and stuff and whether people would do that extra work because they wanted something out of it in the future and it was definitely me I, I mean I, my my early career before I came into shoe was very much about sort of working in the hotel world I wanted to be a general manager um, mm -hmm. when I was 16 I was working part-time and I was just like I went the extra mile I showed up early I did extra reports I did extra things because I knew during my A-levels that I was going to go on to university and do that particular degree but I wanted to I didn't realize I was doing it but I was actually building up my network <laughs> <Good to know. laughs> yeah absolutely and I I think, I think it's, it's definitely always been there hasn't it and it's not it's not anything new it's just been brought into the limelight a little bit more by by sort of the, the newspapers who, who want something to write about I suppose mm. well I guess the other thing you know they're writing about quiet firing aren't they yes kind of become a buzz phrase in its own right and it generally they define quiet firing as making a job so unrewarding that the employee will feel compelled to resign but you know in my hr days that was called constructive dismissal <laughs> and it's always been around <laughs> yeah just different terminology for different things other words that i've had like managing people out that was another one yes. that used to get thrown around That's as well right. sort of about 10 years ago i yeah. remember sort of hearing that they or the person wasn't a fit they had to move them onto a different team or or just yeah. other, so many things out there they're just being given sort of yeah more trendy names yeah yeah they're just reinventing it for something to say sometimes goodness knows there's enough to say without reinventing <laughs> words you know and reinventing <laughs> old situations <laughs> i can imagine people are very complicated and i suppose that socially we are quite complex creatures i suppose if we put it in that in in that context um we are very complicated and everybody's very unique and very different and rightly so which makes the world very interesting um otherwise the life will be very boring and work and there would be no need for a hr manager or a hr director Absolutely. if we didn't have people so there we go it's all good <laughs> it's all yeah. interesting isn't yeah. it yeah i think like sort of um moving on i suppose talking about the people um i mean how do we keep people you know we talked about keeping them motivated how do we uh, how do businesses now um and employers keep people interested because we've got a lot of generations coming through um all different kind of sort of grown up in different sort of decades 
different technology, different values as values change. We've got the Gen Z generation coming through as well, but also who are currently silently sat beavering away at school at the moment is Gen Alpha. <laughs> um, I know that they are the complete technological kind of generation that know, have no idea what a whiteboard is probably because everything's done on a smart board. But it'll be, I mean, how do we keep these people within an organization, satisfy everybody who is from like the, uh, their early 20s, right up, probably right up into their late 60s, because I suspect people still working into their late 60s perhaps early 70s as well so how do we how do we manage all these different generations who've got different ideas um different expectations from their jobs i mean there's like for me it's like oh for me it's quite exciting because i have an interest in that and i'm going to be writing about it but not everybody does so how do people kind of go about their daily lives to um, as a manager or a director of a business, how are you going to keep all these different people happy? <laughs> yes, it's a great question, Rachel. It's a great yeah. question, and it's one that's been—it's <clears throat> one that's been researched so, so, so many times. And if I tell you, I've just been reading about a recent survey by Gallup. They've done about twelve thousand people across the United States, UK, and Ireland, and they've had a look at why people leave organisations. And I tell you, what they found out, they found out two things. Resignation rates are highest among mid-career employees, which is not kind of unusual because if you can't get more promotion, then you go somewhere else. So, you know, that that's sort of fairly natural. But resignation rates are highest in the technology, healthcare and education sectors. And that should worry all of us because, you know, with the NHS being in the way it is and technology needing every boost it can possibly get and education the same, then, then that is, is a big worry. So they then went on to have a look at, well, well, why? What's going on? And they did find that there, there are predominantly because people are not being recognised. And this has got a new thing. If you look at the surveys back in 1980s, 1970s even, recognition and feeling part of things and feeling a sense of belonging is the single most important thing for an employee the feeling of mattering i matter people you know people think i matter um, and, and and that's one of the biggest reasons that they're leaving as well as you know perhaps a hostile work environment and maybe an inflexible work policies but but recognition is the single most important thing and of course as you've mentioned recognition means different things to different people so your traditionalists you know the people who um, have been the longest at work born sort of 1927 to 1946 if you will they've got a quite different view of work and life because they were brought up to be loyal to do a fair day's work for a fair day's pay not to diss the manager not to talk back um, to get what you're given and be thankful for it you know you can hear your parents saying things like that grandparents saying things like that you know and be grateful for what you've got and then and then came the baby boomers and they were a bit more adventurous because they were kind of wanting promotion and things were you know moving on and and the the, the world was changing because it was post-war and more money was about so more organizations could open and so the baby boomers came and started to build things up then we got generation x then we got the millennials and now we've got the last ones to actually enter the market are generation z and you know their values and their need for recognition 
is really entirely different to the traditionalists. And, and I think managers have really got to understand the difference and, and really work to the difference to, to help individuals achieve what they want to achieve. <coughs> Excuse me. And and to feel wanted and to feel recognized. And, and, and we're all, as usually said, we're all different. We're all entirely different. We're unique, every one of us, which is an oxymoron, but there we are. <laughs> and uh, and so managers can do an awful lot to make a difference, to, to, to give recognition to individuals in lots of different ways. I know you're going to ask me what all the different ways are. Aren't you now? I know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you've answered my question. I don't even know. You've led nicely into it. So there you go, off you go. <laughs> Well, I think one of the most important things is trust. Uh, and I think we've seen this in the in the latest thing with the pandemic. Um, people are being trusted now more to work from home. If you're not trusted to work from home, you're not trusted. So that, that's the kind of message for managers. Do you trust your people enough to know that they're delivering the goods from home? And, and if you do, then they will feel gratified by that and they'll probably work harder from home than they ever did in the office because they won't have the same interruptions. And and show you care and do what you say you're going to do and stick to it and be fair, you know, to your people. And all those kind of things engender trust. Um, I believe in feedback. A good manager gives feedback often and with authenticity. Um, and And whenever there is a need to give feedback, don't let's save it up. Let's do it straight away. Blanchard said in his one minute manager, you know, always look for opportunities to praise people. And I think that's a lovely thing to say. Yeah. And, and the percentage of sort of positive to constructive feedback is three to one to keep everybody motivated. So if you have got something to say that's developmental or in any way critical, you know, temper it with positives because there's something good about all of us. And. Um, I think appraising performance, this old hat of annual appraisal, is really, really so old-fashioned now that really nobody should be doing it. One-to-ones on a regular basis is the way forward. It's the best way to keep people on target, keep them informed, do forward planning rather than backwards reflecting because we can't do anything about the past. It's gone, hasn't it? You sit down at the end of a year and have an appraisal, it's too late anyway. <laughs> <laughs> You've forgotten everything. Well, I certainly will have done. <laughs> so appraise forward on a very regular basis on a one-to-one. -one. And actually that helps with recognition. Um, I think nowadays as well that there's very much a coaching culture being brought about in organisations who recognise that teaching managers how to coach people is the best thing that they can possibly do in the development stakes. And if we're looking at Generation Z, they like that. They need that. They like being mentored. They like being coached because they want to get ahead and they want to do what they want to do and they want to know how to do it and do it their way. But they can be coached into doing it effectively. And, and just talking about mentoring, I think an ideal way of welcoming newcomers into an organisation is to give them a mentor buddy when they start. You know, somebody who knows the job and can help them into the role or be part of the informal induction process. 
you know, when you, you join a new company and you get your induction and you're all sat around and you've forgotten half the things they've said within the first 20 minutes of getting into the office, um, you, your mentor buddy's there to say, now, don't talk to Mr. So-and-so before 10 o'clock because he'll snap your head off. You know, <laughs> get the sort of informal lowdown from your mentor buddy. They keep you out of trouble and, and they help you to, to understand how to do things the right way. And I think... Um, Another thing is offering education. You know, I'm, I'm banging on about the Institute of Apprenticeships, but by gosh, they offer some fantastic apprenticeships to people from business administrators and, and warehouse people, right up to senior people, people who are taking a degree, an apprenticeship degree, for the fraction of, of the typical private cost of courses, Rachel. Yeah. You know, your average operational manager the the, co the apprenticeship course, two-year course, is £7,000 paid to the training provider, but the actual employer only pays £350. Yeah. What can you get for £350 for two years of solid training and development it's and learning? Brilliant. You know, it's, it's fabulous. Yeah, it is fabulous. I have to admit, I, that's, yeah. I, that's how I'm doing my MBA is an apprenticeship within my own organisation. I mean, we were just saying with one of the student <clears throat> reps at, at the Uni of Bradford, who's saying that the cost of the MBA programme is like the cost of a very small, you know, like a small car. Yes. And, and that is a lot of money to an individual for somebody uh, um, to be able to afford to pay that and just pay it out on your own. Yeah. Uh, and it's a lot to borrow as well from a bank if you if you want to study for that. So, yeah, these apprenticeship degrees are brilliant. They are. They are. And, and you, you can earn money and learn at the same time. And I think that's wonderful. And, you know, that we talked about coaching, but the coaching professional apprenticeships being rolled out in the UK to managers and directors at a cost of about £250, which is laughable cost really for the absolute wonderful benefits it gives to every manager who can turn into a coach and coaches people rather than tell or shout you know it, it's a it's a wonderful course to do and and systemically it, it sort of helps people to develop it reduces labor turnover it increases productivity if you feel you're being coached and somebody cares about you there's the recognition and there is your reason for staying in the organization and I think just finally, because I've chatted on a, a long time. <laughs> it's all right. I'm very passionate about things that people That's should okay. do to make employees feel better. Is I think updating key performance indicators to match the current environment is very important. What's, what matters in an organisation isn't how long you stay after five o'clock or how early you get there before nine o'clock. What matters is what you deliver. The, the output that you make to that company is what matters. And that's the key performance indicator. Did you do what you said you'd do? You know, I think about, um, who is it now? Is it Richard Branson? Um, I think it might be Richard Branson, who some time ago, you might remember this, Rachel, said, my employees can have as many holidays as they like. They're not limited to four weeks. They can have as many holidays as they like in the year, as long as they do the job. As yeah. long as they deliver, they can do whatever else they like. And I thought that was, what a bold statement, but how brilliant is that? Yeah. 
because yeah. wouldn't it make you think right i'm going to have that month in barbados and by gosh am i going to work hard to get it <laughs> definitely definitely i agree with that i think i think i remember um sort of in my early career back in events management and i was sat and the australians have a very different work ethic she was an yeah. australian manager and um she was sort of obviously coaching and mentoring me which was a new way for me to learn and i really liked that way of learning she was brilliant and she just turned around to me and said however how your end goal as long as you deliver how you get there i don't mind how you get there but as long as you like get there that is okay because we all think differently and we all do things in a different way yeah as long as we come to the same end point and you communicate what you need to communicate with the rest of the team yeah. then that is absolutely fine there is no right or wrong but just get yeah. the job done basically and i was a bit like oh don't we have to do it this way because obviously a lot of people are very particular and they want you to work a certain way oh. how to get there but as long as you you've got your notes everybody knows you're singing on the same hymn sheet especially in events because it can go very wrong <laughs> if you're oh, yeah. not all communicating with each other <clears throat> but yeah really interesting yeah i think and so so i think the last thing that i would say and the most important one of all is give them some fun you know organize things to make work fun sometimes to make it worthwhile being there to have a laugh because laughter is it's just wonderful we all need it um, you need to revive engagement levels you know you need to give people unique experiences or just you know odd times when everybody falls about laughing um, or nice occasions when you know a surprise is sprung i, I, I do remember uh, back in my <laughs> in my past that we had a new managing director who said um on this particular day to 120 of us that the managers in the organization uh, on this day i want you to leave it free because you'll be collected from a region and you'll be taken down to London on breakfast coaches where you'll have breakfast on the coach with little candles and little table lights and everything. It was lovely. Um, and then you go into the Savoy and we're going to have a presentation at the Savoy. And we thought, oh, oh, that's nice. And then, um, oh, we went into a room where there was champagne and then we went into the presentation and, and lots of presentations were made to people who'd done good things during the year. Quite unusually, you know, we weren't expecting this. And the last thing he said to us was, we've had a good year and you all have had an input into this year and you have done really well. And so from here, you're going to get back on coaches, you're going down to, I think it was Victoria Station, and you're going to get on the Orient Express and you're going to spend the afternoon on the Orient Express. Oh, lovely. <laughs> there was like a silence and then a huge cheering and mm. I've never forgotten that because oh. that was really, I know it was very, very expensive and most employers couldn't possibly afford to do that. But it was something so special that everybody was talking about it for months afterwards, you know. Mm. And, and, and I think having fun is really, really most important, even to the extent, I'll give you another example, a very small company that I know that's had a client of, he had a breakout room and mm. uh, he still has. I haven't seen him for a while, but it's a breakout room and it's got furniture and, and floppy things in and squeaky things and, and, and balls and stuff to throw about. And periodically, if things are getting really difficult or, you know, we're having a quiet day, it said, right, everybody in the breakout room. And then have half an hour in the breakout room and come out feeling completely 
laughed out, you know, refreshed. Oh, wow. Yeah. Feeling and, energized. Yeah. And that was, a, that's a tight, well, that's a small company. Let's say it's a small company, successful, but small. And you can do these things if you just use a bit of imagination to give your people a bit of fun. So that's what I think about recognition and helping. Yeah, definitely. And I think things are changing. I think people want different things. Um, you know, for example, we're going up to, instead of having a normal Christmas party, we're all going to Edinburgh for seven days and working up in Edinburgh for seven days. But instead of like doing half day work in the morning, but then in the afternoon going and doing touristy things instead of having a full on Christmas party. So that's oh, that <laughs> That's so we're doing something completely different and obviously yeah. it's more exciting and obviously we've been locked up and cooped up for two years haven't we so yes. we all want to go and do a bit of exploring and I'm, 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 i've seen these walls for enough uh, enough enough days now and stuff so <laughs> but one i suppose one last final question is really our company is going to have to sort of um recruit differently because obviously things are changing very rapidly um and i suppose you know how is it how how are people going to move forward in in, in the world of recruitment well i mean we've got a completely different way of recruiting now to the way that i started recruiting way back you know in those days you've got to put an advert in the sunday times or the telegraph and it was ten thousand pounds so that was a cost for your um, for your client uh, to start the ball rolling. And if you got 20 applications, you'd be quite lucky. We did have one client who wrote his own advert uh, with our permission, and he got a 1,000 replies, which was lovely. But, you know, that was a bit unusual. But nowadays, you know, you've still got to advertise quite often. I mean, word of mouth is good, but if you advertise, make it interesting, for goodness sake. Have you read some of these adverts on the job boards? Good God, I'd rather watch paint dry. <laughs> now make people want to work for you for goodness sake make your company special ask yourself why would you want to work there then put that down on paper about why they should want to work there and, and don't ask for things that don't matter you know do they need five years experience no they don't probably three no. <laughs> days training it probably do it um, and i think the other thing is this this old old mantra about everybody needs to be self-motivated well, we are all self-motivated. That's why we get out of bed on the morning, because we're self-motivated to get out of bed and go and do something. But if a good employer finds out what motivates his employee and uses that to help them with whatever is motivating them, that will go a long way towards making them want to stay and want to do better. And I think... Um, we can have a job advert place now, you know, in the major job boards. We can get the best six candidates application for less than 500 quid. My friend Philippa Goldstone does it at equals one. Brilliant idea. You know, when I started doing it in the consultancy, it was a, it was a third of the first year's salary. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think probably once you get some candidates, I think then the game is to make sure that your process of getting the right person in is watertight. And I'm not talking about just interviewing because just interviewing has only got about a 33% correlation with people being right for the job and, you know, wanting to stay. Just make sure that you assess people against whatever they're going to do. Find a way of assessing 
you know, when when in the back in the day when shorthand typists were about, uh, you sat somebody down at a typewriter, you gave them a, a, a letter, you dictated a letter to them, and they typed it out, and that was that you either got the job or you didn't get the job. You know, the scaffolder, go outside, get up that scaffold, do this and that, put this scaffolding together. It's just it's such it's so simple, isn't it? But so many yeah. organisations just don't do it, Rachel. Yeah, don't test people out, and of course you can test people out. That's what you should do. You can do personality profiling if you've got somebody very experienced to do it. Aptitude tests if you want them to be doing any figures or uh, spatial tests if you want them to do any, you know, architecture, spatial tests. And competency-based questions, you know, we're, we're all a bit, we're like leopards, we don't change our spots. So if you ask somebody to explain what they did to deal with a, a difficult situation in the past, as they describe it, that's the way that they'll do it in the future. So there you've got your evidence of how they'll behave in your organisation when certain situations arise. So what I would say is always, always don't just rely on an interview, however structured you make it. Don't just rely on an interview. Use other methods to make sure that with every method you use, your confidence in them being able to fit that job and do it well increases. And when you get them in, treat them well. Give them a buddy mentor. Make sure they're happy. Recognise what they can do as they're developing and put a plan in place to develop them as far as they possibly can be developed within your organisation and your budget. And those are the ways that I think that good employers should behave when they're recruiting. Yeah, brilliant. Some really good insights there, Sue. Thank you very much for um, for share, sharing your thoughts and everything. It's been great to listen to. Some food for thought, a thought for me anyway, in terms of writing my dissertation, <laughs> which I've just literally submitted the subject title for. Uh, yesterday so there we go <laughs> what's your subject title uh it's um so it's well it's not a firm title yet but it's to do with um female leadership because i had to sort of narrow it down a little bit more um yeah. in a hybrid sort of working world how do we communicate um lead teams build teams in this hybrid working world so there we oh, go. Yes. What a fascinating dissertation that's gonna yeah, be yeah it's gonna be definitely some good reading I've even I've even got my uh lecturer's book remote work revolution there we <laughs> yes. go so i've got my i've got my bedtime reading at the side there not that everyone can see or see it on on the podcast but there is a new book that's just been released by a sort of a professor at harvard university about this hybrid working world so but brilliant but thank you very much sue for coming today on Shoecast, and um i'm sure we'll let you know when it when it's been um, sort of properly published <laughs> and awesome. we can go from there brilliant i'm just going to stop recording two seconds thank you Rachel.